we want to uh, update you guys a little bit. Uh, a few weeks ago, we did a dollar club for Jackson, Kentucky. They had a flood down there, uh, just a lot of damage. Lives were lost and homes were lifted off of foundations and churches were ruined. And uh, as a church, we raised $24,000 uh, to that. And so uh, big shout out to all of you guys who were just generous and, and, and gave. But we also, yeah, no, we can clap for that. <laughs> And, uh, and also, two weeks ago, I think we have some photos, I was able to go with some of you guys. We took a team of 14 people to Jackson, Kentucky. We didn't want to just provide financial help, but we want to provide, you know, be kind of there um, on the scene. And most of the time, they had spent, you know, tearing out walls and carpet, and now they were able to kind of be in the process of rebuilding back up. I've never done drywall before. But we learned real quick how to do that. And uh, we had plenty of people, and they, man, they, they, they used vacation days to be here. They could have been making money or being at home with their family. Uh, but you guys chose to be there and to serve them and to help. So just appreciate all the work they did on this trip. And so, uh, yeah, just want to update you there and say thank you once again. And uh, so, so this morning... And there's a team right there. Uh, this morning, we are continuing our series, Christian Atheists. And our topic is so important because it defines who we are as believers. The Bible says multiple times that if we do not get this right, it shows probably that we don't understand the true weight of what God has done for us. If we don't do this, we don't grasp the gravity of the gospel. And that topic is forgiveness. And before we kind of uh, already assume, or maybe a lot of us may go, okay, I, I don't hate anyone that much, or I already know what the Bible says about it. Maybe, I just want to throw out some self-evaluation kind of questions. Maybe some of us have uh, held on to a grudge or held on to someone's sins for way too long. And so maybe these questions apply to you. Maybe there's someone in your life that when they're in the same room or you guys go to the same church, but you avoid them. Like it's just easier not to talk to them, not to really deal with them in the moment. And even when they are brought up or when you're forced to kind of um, be with them or confront them, emotions start kind of piling up. Or maybe you even constantly think back to what wrong they have done to you. You start kind of replaying the film, you know what I mean? Like you go back to those conversations and, uh, and what they've done and those past hurts. Do you still, uh, is there someone in your life that's hurt you and you still talk about it to other people? You still gossip about them? Maybe for validation and, and feeling like, hey, I was hurt and so I want other people to know how much I was hurt. Or maybe there's just someone in your life that you can't cheer for. Like you see them post on Facebook about their babies and about their job and vacation, and it just grinds your gears. Like you don't enjoy seeing them succeed. I think a lot of us walked into this room this morning holding on um, to some feelings that show unforgiveness in our hearts. And we, maybe we thought we've moved on. But it reveals kind of what's going on. And, uh, and I know that we are here this morning holding on to pain from families, uh, family members, friends, 
coworkers, uh, and so much more. Maybe even people that we drove to church with this morning that we have not forgiven. And Jesus, when he was uh, here on earth, he had his 12 disciples, his kind of core team that he traveled with and um, uh, did a lot of just work with, a lot of ministry. During their time, they had a lot of conversations. And Peter, one of the 12 disciples, brought up this topic of forgiveness to Jesus and asked him his thought. And that's where I want to be at this morning. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 to 35 is where we're going to be. If you have your Bibles, if not, we have it on the screen. So Matthew 18, 21, are we ready? One more time, just, you know, got to make sure you're, you're alive out there. Are we ready? Yes. There we go. Matthew 18, 21 says, Then Peter approached him, Jesus, and asked, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? So first one, here's, what hap- here's what's happening. Peter understands that you should forgive. He's like, yeah, I know it's the right thing to do, but what's the limit? Like, when is enough enough? And the standard teaching at that time, there's a lot of thoughts, but the, the, the majority of people thought that you should forgive someone three times for the same offense. And then the fourth time, you don't need to forgive them because obviously they have not learned their lesson. So one person doesn't need more than three times of forgiveness. Peter knows this, and he's been around Jesus for a little bit, He knows that Jesus has some high standards. And if you remember, uh, because again, he's heard Jesus preach. Last week we talked about uh, Jesus' most famous talk, the Sermon on the Mount, where he said, hey, you've heard it, that you shouldn't murder. But I say if you are angry in your heart, it's sin. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But if you lust in your heart, it's sin. Jesus came to raise the bar a little bit. He heightened those expectations and shown us really how sinful we are. Peter knows this. He knows that Jesus has some high standards. So he's like, all right, I won't go three. How about seven? We'll double it, add one for good measure. Jesus, seven times. Should we forgive someone? And he's thinking, answer safe. I got this thing. No one, like that's way more than anyone would ever forgive. But then Jesus' answer stuns all of them. Verse 22. It says, but I tell you, not as many as seven, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. It says, not seven, 70 times seven. And this number is obviously ridiculously higher than anything that was taught or anything that Peter brought to the table. And Jesus' point isn't that, hey, you should forgive this amount of times. And then you're done. His point is to say that you should never withhold forgiveness from someone. And I don't know how that sounds to us, like in this room right now, to know that, man, Jesus commands us, he expects it as believers to forgive, to never hold a grudge against anybody. And so he's telling us that, that when we don't forgive, when we hold on to these uh, bitter feelings, it's sin. And I want to say that with as much compassion and understanding as I possibly can. Because I know that there are some of us in this room that have experienced some awful things. 
there's some real hurt, real pain, real trauma, real evil things done to us. I get that. And I'm not here to dismiss those. I'm not here to say it's going to be easy. I'm here to say that Jesus says it's best. And because of that, I want us to know, before even moving on in this passage, like what forgiveness truly is. A lot of you just heard me say, forgive, and you're thinking, great. Like, after all they've done, all the dysfunction that they've caused our family or our, at, at work, and you just want me to forgive and forget, let them off the hook. Not exactly what Jesus had in mind here. Forgiveness, I want to start with what it's not. Forgiveness is not excusing or dismissing sin. It is not saying to someone, oh, it's no big deal, don't worry about it. What you did was, was small enough for me to move on from. Okay, it, uh, forgiveness is also not denying that it hurts you. Forgiveness is not putting on this facade or faking like, oh, it's not even that big of a deal. Don't, I, I didn't even think about it. No worries. Forgiveness is not being peaceful or not just being civil. Just because we can sit in a room with someone and kind of get along or have a conversation doesn't mean that you've truly forgiven them. Forgiveness is also not conditional. That if we say, I'll forgive them if, fill in the blank. If that's us, that's not true forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't even require that the person initiates it, that they ask for it, or even to be present. Some of us have not forgiven people in our lives that have passed away. And it's been years and we're still holding on to these feelings that we're angry at them for. And lastly, forgiveness is not forgetting. In fact, I would argue that you can't forgive, or sorry, you can't forget, because that's what forgiveness is. It's saying, in spite of that thing, I know what you've done to me, but I will forgive you. Forgiveness is not forgetting. So what is it? Forgiveness is releasing the demand for justice to God. It's giving up the right to get even. It's saying, okay, yes, they hurt me. Yes, they owe me. Yes, they've taken something away from me. They've wrongfully done something to me. But I'm no longer focusing on getting back at them. It's not my goal. I'm not letting that thing or that sin define our relationship. I'm handing it over to God. And Jesus, he says, hey, we forgive in that way. And he doesn't just stop there with a the command and then move on to something else. He actually tells a story to illustrate why we should forgive. And that's verse 23 and on. It says, for this reason, the kingdom of God, sorry, the kingdom of heaven, can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, one who owed 10,000 talents was brought before him. Since he did not have the money to pay it back, his master commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. So Jesus tells a story. He says, two guys, you have a king and a servant. And uh, here, the king represents God. And the servant represents believers. So as a Christian, if that is you, put yourself in the shoes of the servant. I'm going to do the same. God is a king. We are the servant. And there comes a time when he wants to settle accounts. Like he wants to know uh, how things are running. He wants to tally up his employees, his resources, everything. And this servant <laughs> had clearly making some, 
had taken some wrong financial moves, all right? Too many nights at the casino. He did not take Financial Peace University. Like, he did not do any of these things to set himself up for success. It says that he had a debt of 10,000 talents. Now, a talent was the largest known currency in the Roman Empire, and it was actually a weight measurement. Uh, And so we don't know whether Jesus is talking gold or silver talents, but either way, a safe bet is this is billions of dollars, with a B, billions of dollars. I read some people even think it was trillions, but maybe that's true. Either way, billions of dollars of debt that this guy had accumulated, and he has no shot of paying this off in 10 lifetimes. Like, it's just not possible. And since he's unable to pay, the king's saying, well, I'm at least getting some of my money back. So it says that he... Uh, must be sold along with his family, everything he has, to make profit back to the king. And it was common to work off your debt, but for this guy, it would have been definitely a life sentence. And he has no other option than to show humility and desperation by begging for mercy. And that's what he does. Verse 26. It says that this, the servant fell face down before him. And said, be patient with me, and I will pay you everything. Then the master of that servant had compassion, released him, and forgave him the loan. So he falls face down. He knows, I'm out of options. The only solution I have is to beg, is to plead, is to go to the person that I owe the debt to and uh, ask for something. And he says, um, hey... I'll get you your money, just give me a little time. But obviously he's desperate, he'll say anything in that situation. He can never pay this back, but he still shows humility saying, hey, I need you to help me in this scenario. And the king doesn't laugh, the king doesn't lay the law down, the king says he pities the man, that he has compassion and he forgave the debt. And he shows grace and mercy because not only does he not throw him in jail, does he not punish him, but he also doesn't require repayment whatsoever. And this king just forgave an insane amount of, like, I don't want us to move forward without understanding, billions of dollars of debt. This is crazy. This guy is probably having the best day of his life. All right, this isn't a president for giving 10,000 of student loans, okay? This is, too soon? All right, sorry. Um, (laughs) This is a king for giving 10,000 talents, billions of dollars of debt. And with that, this servant is probably feeling great. He's probably saying, wow, what a great king I have. And he left there as happy as could be, but verse 28, the story goes on. It says, that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him, started choking him, and said, pay what you owe. At this, his fellow servant fell down, and this should sound familiar, and began begging him, be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he wasn't willing. Instead, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed. 
When the other servants saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master everything that had happened. So he's been forgiven billions. He runs out and he finds someone that owes him money. And it says that this isn't uh, a large amount compared to what he was just forgiven. 100 denarii. A denarii was a day's wage. And so 100 denarii, roughly just over a quarter year salary. Good amount of money, but this could have been paid back. Like it's a reasonable, uh, manageable debt. And it was nothing compared to what he was just forgiven. And yet he goes out, finds this man, says he grabs him, chokes him, and says, it's my money and I need it now. J.G. Wentworth, 877-CASH-NOW. All right, uh, sorry, um, couldn't help myself. But he doesn't remember what was just done for him. And so he, uh, the guy had the same response. He was begging, he's pleading, he's saying, hey, give me time. I will pay you back. And again, he probably could have. But the man, it says that he was unwilling, which means he made a choice. He could have forgiven him, but he did not. So we threw him into prison until the debt could be paid. And this didn't go unnoticed. It says the king was told by other servants what happened. And this is what the king thought of the servant's actions, of his lack of forgiveness. Verse 32. Then after he had summoned him, his master said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me? Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. This king was furious that his grand superlative mercy was seemingly wasted by this guy. And he's going to him. He says, you wicked servant. Like, do you not, did you not just remember what I did for you? I forgave you billions, and you can't forgive a debt just so much smaller. Shouldn't you have modeled yourself more after me? Did you not learn anything? And that right there, Jesus wants us to understand the motivation behind forgiving. The servant should have forgiven the other servant because he had ultimately first been forgiven by the king. And so for us, we forgive others because God forgave us. We forgive because God forgave us. And all of us have accrued this debt to God that we have no hope of repaying. No matter how hard we try, no matter how hard we work, our debt cannot be paid by our own efforts. And there are other people, other churches, other religions that believe, okay, yeah, there's a debt. But you can, you can pay that off. You can be, uh, just make sure to honor God as much as you can, be obedient. Man, if you pray or if you give enough or if you're baptized, that's what saves you. And that's not true. That we can't do anything to have this debt forgiven on our own merit. The only solution is to humbly go to God, who we owe, and ask for forgiveness. And remember that forgiveness is not dismissing the wrong that was done. God didn't just wave his hand and everyone's forgiven and no one has to pay anything. Jesus had to pay that debt. 
Jesus was the one who had to die for my sins. And Jesus is the only one who could pay our debt because he's the only one who didn't have a debt of his own. And we are cleared of our sin consequence when we put our trust and faith in his death and resurrection. And it's with that reality that we can then forgive others. Because what Jesus wants us to understand is that nobody can commit a greater injustice to me than I have committed already towards God. Like no one can do more to me, no one can do more wrong to me than God can, sorry, no one can do more wrong to me than I can do to God. And so if I can be forgiven of so much, I can forgive someone else of so little. And with that truth, Jesus has one last verse in the story. He closes with a statement to Peter and, his, uh, and us. Verse 35 says, So also my heavenly Father will do to you, unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. Brings it home a little bit. He adds some personal responsibility. And this is one of those just freaky verses in the Bible that we can't just read over and kind of skim it and go, okay, well, it's got to mean something. Like, he says, unless you forgive, my heavenly Father will not forgive you. Now, what he's not saying is that you can lose your salvation because you don't, you know, uh, forgive someone else. He's not saying that you can earn your salvation just by forgiving other people. He's saying that it is inconceivable that Christians who have been forgiven would not forgive others. Jesus says it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. But we still hold people's wrongs against them, and we let these things build up throughout our life. And it creates a barrier between us and the other person. And I think it affects us more than we realize. And I've seen another pastor put it like this. You've, uh, you've probably seen the construction that was happening on stage. Uh, but when we don't forgive, it creates a barrier between us and that other person. And every block, what I want to do, I want every block to represent something that was done to you, that you didn't address it, you didn't deal with it, you held on to it. And you stayed angry and you stayed bitter. And it could be a lot of things that we don't forgive someone over. Maybe it's, all right, you know, we talked about the budget. We said we were going to start saving money, pay off debt, do things great, like be wise with our money. But then he went golfing again. And then she came home with Starbucks every day this week. We have Folgers at home. What do we buy coffee for? It doesn't make sense. Um, okay, maybe. You know what? It was my birthday last week. And... Uh, the least you can do as an American citizen is write happy birthday on their Facebook wall, right? Like, but they couldn't even do that. And I know they saw it because Messenger says they were active 14 minutes ago, so they definitely had time. Like, it you know, just happens, okay? Uh, I know I was over, but hear me out. I was doing what everyone else is doing, just going with the flow of traffic. And then that cop has nothing better to do than to pull me over. Like there were five other people in the lane. Doesn't make any sense. That's fine. It, it, you know, no problem to me. Okay, well, my boy has worked too hard and practiced too long to be on the bench. And they're losing 
And you know whose fault it is? That coach, he doesn't know what he's doing. They maybe would win some games if they got a better one, all right? Uh, now, it's been a while since we dated, but I was nothing but good to them, and they still broke up with me, but it's fine because worst mistake of their life. And I saw who they were dating recently, and I know they miss me. So, I mean, it's fine. All right, going to work every single day, and I have a boss that doesn't appreciate what I do. And it seems like I'm the only one in the entire company who knows how to do their job. Maybe that's you. <laughs> but let's uh, change gears a little bit. Let's maybe get a little more real here, okay? Like, I, I know what you've been saying. I know that you've been talking to other people about me, and uh, I've seen the texts, I've heard it all, and you know who does that? No friend of mine. I mean, they cheated on me. Like, they lied to me over and over and over. You know what? I, uh, I had parents, and they, they provided. They did what they needed to, but it seemed like they were more concerned with their life than us kids and even today, it kind of translates, I have my own family, and you know what, I still feel like I never meet their expectations. I'm never um, just good enough, and I don't even enjoy spending time with them. Like, okay, how does someone walk out on a family? How do they leave? How do they give up on their responsibility, their kids, their spouse? Like, who does that? All right, I thought I was safe with you, but uh, you took advantage of me. You abused me. And you took something from me that I'll never be able to get back, no matter how much I try. You know what? I thought I could trust you. I thought that, you know, I was talking to a friend that really I could trust. I could, they would keep my secrets, but now you're using what I'm telling you as entertainment. And all these things, those are just examples. Maybe that's you. Maybe you have other things. But we build and build, and we find ourselves relationally walled off from everyone else. And you can't see it, but this is what our lives, our relationships look like. And here's what the Bible says happens. That when we don't learn this skill of forgiving, when we don't do it, it becomes easier the more we hold on to these grudges or these sins. And so because maybe some of us have not forgiven our parents when we were a teenager, years or maybe even decades ago, that throughout your life, it becomes easier to just throw another block on. All right, well, you know, they gave up on the marriage, my ex-wife, my ex-husband, they don't want anything to do with the kids, all the pain they've caused, it's fine. And Jesus is saying, no, we need to deal with this. And here's what's even kind of wild to me. A lot of us have people in our life friends, family, that are giving us quote-unquote advice and maybe even kind of fueling the fire to do this to other people. That there's someone speaking to you saying, you know what, you are the victim, you have been hurt, you deserve to cut them off, like you should be angry. And anyone telling you that does not know what Jesus is saying of how damaging forgiveness can be. It has consequences. And all of us are going to be held accountable for our relationships. And we need to ask ourselves, like, just completely honest question, 
how long are you going to continue to do this? Some of you, it's been years that you've been distancing yourself from other people, not forgiving. How long are you going to continue not calling them back or not working on this relationship or ignoring them? How long? Because it's been years and some of you have no intentions or even hope of fixing things. Unforgiveness has ruined too many families, marriages, friendships, even churches. And we need, it's time to change that. And all of us it, it's, find it difficult. It's not easy. And all of us probably have even reason and excuses as to why we don't do this. Maybe we're saying, okay, well, I would forgive them, but I don't want them to get away with it. Like, I don't want to just let them off the hook. The Bible tells us that no sin will be overlooked. Every sin will be paid for, whether it's by Jesus' death on the cross or spending eternity in hell. No one's getting away with anything. Maybe it's saying, all right, I would forgive, but I don't want to be a doormat. <laughs> like, I don't want them to think they can just run over me. I lose, they win. This one's kind of funny because I, I've heard this before. And God initially forgives us, right? God forgives us. And if we are truly saved, placed our faith in Jesus, none of us are walking around going, God forgave me? That's because he's a doormat. <laughs> like, I got what I wanted. I won. He, no one's doing that. But yet we have the fear of coming off that way to other people. Some of us maybe, all right, I would forgive. I just need more time. And I get that some of these things may be fresh. They may be recent. But time doesn't heal everything. And in fact, it may just prolong and amplify the pain that already exists. And some of us, maybe we're saying, I would forgive, but I'm waiting for them to apologize first. But remember, forgiveness doesn't depend on them. It is a personal choice that you make. And the main reason why we make that choice is because God first forgave us. And every time that we sinned, it was like a block was placed in between you and a relationship with God. But God says, hey, if you trust in Jesus' death that he died in your place, I will forgive you of everything, every single sin. I'm not going to hold it against you. So God says, all right, that time that you were angry with your kids, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll forgive that. Every time that you lied because you were fearful of the consequence or you want to make yourself look better, all right. I, whoops. <laughs> Sorry, Zach. Um, every time that you were prideful and that you, I'm just going to set this one down. Every time that you thought you were better than everybody else, says, I'll forgive that. Every time that you watch pornography or you had sex before marriage, God says, I'll forgive that. Every time that you were greedy and you should have been giving your resources away and helping people, but instead you want to hold on to them, God says, I'll forgive that. Every time you were lazy and you should have been working for the glory of God, but you weren't, God says, I will forgive that. And so we receive this forgiveness from God and then extend it out to other people. That's how it works. And this whole message, I've been telling you, forgive, 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 right? Jesus says we should do it. How? 
How do we forgive? Two-step process, easy. You know the debt, and then you let go of the debt. I like when things rhyme. We're going to roll with it. You know the debt, and you let go of the debt. And here's what I mean. You know or you identify what someone has done wrong to you. Like, don't just walk around angry generally at someone and let it build up. Like, what did they do? What did they take? How did they hurt you? You identify it specifically. You know it, and then you let go of it. You say, I'm not going to focus on getting back at them. I'm not going to get even. I'm going to leave it in God's hands. And so you can say, all right, you left this family. Like, you took from me a parent to my kids to come home to every day. You took from me a spouse that I could depend on and lead me closer to Jesus. I forgive you. You don't owe me anymore. Like, you didn't pay me back. Like, you said you would, but you didn't. I know exactly how much you owe me. But even in spite of that, I forgive you. You're saying, all right, well, I know, again, you've been talking about me all the time, and you made me feel insignificant and small, and you took from me a best friend. We don't even talk anymore. But even though that's true, I forgive you. You took advantage of me. You took my purity. You left me with issues of trust and anger and self-worth and scars that I've battled for years that I can't even begin to explain. But in spite of that, I forgive you. You don't owe me anymore. And this is what we do as a believer. We receive forgiveness from God and we continue to forgive and forgive and forgive until this entire wall is down. And there's nothing that we are personally doing that stands in between you and another person. We're not holding that against anyone anymore. And I say that, and a lot of us are still thinking, I can't do it. Like they've done too much. They've caused too much damage. They can't get away with this. And we don't necessarily have the power to forgive. Some of us are not strong enough. Some of us don't even want to forgive. But that is where we need to ask God for strength. Say, God, I, I see this person, and I know that my heart is bent against them, but God, give me greater faith to believe you and your word and trust that this is the best thing. Ask God for greater faith to forgive. And here's why it's so important, and this is the last thing I'll say. That as a believer, this is who we are. Like the definition of a Christian is someone who is forgiven by God. Heaven and hell is not separated by those who are good and those who are bad. Heaven and hell is separated by those who have been forgiven and those who have not been forgiven. And so how can we as believers live our lives who have experienced this, not extend that same grace and mercy to others? Jesus saying doesn't make sense. It's who we are. It goes against who we are when we don't forgive. Because forgiveness defines the family of God. And so my challenge this morning, easier said than done, but ask yourself, who is that person that probably has come up in, this, in the past 30 minutes that you've thought about this morning or the past few days, past week? Who is that person that you are choosing not to forgive?
Who is that person that you have held on to what they've done wrong to you for way too long, and instead you need to release the demand for justice. You don't need to get even. You don't need to pay them back. You need to hand that over to God. Because like the servant in the story, we should strive to be like our king. And one of the best ways to do that is to forgive others because God first forgave us. Let's go ahead and pray this morning as we, uh, as we close. Uh, we thank you for allowing us all to be here, to, uh, to, to worship you, to get into your word. And I thank you most of all for your son, Jesus. God, we don't deserve any of it. And the people that you're calling us to forgive may not deserve it either. But you are telling us that we need to be like you that you have shown us the standard, that you have shown us the, the example of how we need to conduct ourselves, that we need to choose forgiveness over bitterness. And I pray that you would give us the faith to do that. God, there are people in our lives that we don't want to forgive, but you're calling us to, and I pray um, that we would be more like you in that way. And if there's anyone in this room that has not made a decision, that has not trusted in Jesus, they would. They would understand there's no other way to deal with their sin other than through his death and resurrection. And, um, and God, that would allow them then to heal and forgive other people. And we ask all these things in your son's name. Amen.